0: Here we go. It's Monday, April the 17th in the year of our Lord 2023. You are listening to Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom on Mondays, we take a look at lessons for the following Sunday, which is the third Sunday of Easter, April the 23rd in the year of our Lord twenty. 23. Uh, One reading is from Acts chapter 2. Another reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1. And the reading we're going to be taking a look at is at Luke 24. This is one of my favorite readings in the New Testament because it helps us to understand how do we bring the knowledge of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ to those who don't have much information about it. Uh, For example, at one of the places that I'm preaching of the four churches, uh, University, and they have thousands of students, and we even have a, a building that we worship in for those students. What's really interesting is that the students are of all different kinds of religions. And we are making a point right now to the university congregation that Christianity is absolutely unique when it comes to talking about religions. Because there's something about Christianity that is not found in any other religion in the world and that is salvation because of one person. Yeah, you tell me another religion outside of Christianity where you are saved by believing in a person. No, they have gods, but a lot of times those gods give no assurance of how you can be saved. Uh, A lot of times you better do enough works or you better have enough experience with them. You need to please them and this sort of thing. In other words, you wanna be rewarded by the God that you have. So what we're telling the university students in that congregation is when somebody asks you, well, aren't all religions the same? Well, you tell them, no, Christianity is absolutely unique because salvation comes not through you and what you do, what you experience or what you know. It comes through a person, a human being by the name of Jesus. So what we have in Luke 24, we have two of the disciples on the day of resurrection are walking along a road to a village named Emmaus. Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're talking with each other about the things that had happened with the crucifixion of their Lord. And now they heard women saying that he had risen from the dead. They are totally confused. And so we go to verse. 15 of Luke 24. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, you wonder, how is that possible? Remember, there was a woman later at the gravesite, and jesus was with her she thought that he was a custodian of the area and wondered what did they do with the body of jesus and then he announced himself to her and she then realized it was jesus himself so somehow god makes sure that he's not recognized by these two disciples and begins a conversation with them. And he says to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? Now, one of the points I love to make about Jesus is a lot of times he witnesses by asking questions. For example, with the disciples said, Who do people say that I am? And some thought, Well, you're maybe a prophet or John the Baptizer, but Peter says, you know, you are the Christ, the, the Messiah. Jesus says, Peter, you didn't think of that yourself. That was given to you by the Father. And so many times he asked questions, and this is very important that when we're talking to others who may not be of truth, they, they don't really realize what the Bible has to say about Jesus, asking them a question about what they are thinking is very important. I remember early in my radio ministry 26 years ago that somebody would ask a question and I would give what I consider to be a great answer. And when I was done, I said, is that helpful for you? And they would say sometimes, well, that was a great answer but that's not what I was asking. So I've learned to really listen to what people are asking in other words, to give an answer that would be appropriate to their specific question. So that's what Jesus says to them. What are you discussing uh, about? And then one of them, and his name is Cleopas, C-L-E-O-P-A-S, answered him saying, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that has happened there in these days? Well, Jesus could have said, well, guys, I'm God. I know everything. But instead, he wants to know what they think happened. So he says, again, a question, what things? And he said, and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. some of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So these two disciples give a good explanation of why they are confused. And Jesus is listening to them, and so he can now provide an answer for them. What are they confused about? Well, they they had really looked to Jesus of Nazareth, as they themselves say, in order that Israel would be redeemed. But then he's crucified. He's laid in the tomb. Uh, The women on the third day don't go to the tomb to speak with Jesus, who said he would be risen from the dead in three days, They went to the tomb to anoint his dead body. They themselves did not even believe what he had said. And so this amazed the disciples. And remember Peter and John, they had gone to the tomb. And when they came back, they said, you know, there would even been a company of angels. And we know that there was an angel who rolled back the stone was sitting on it and scared the guards and there were probably more than one angel and they had gone to the Pharisees and said what had happened and the Pharisees paid them to say that the disciples had come and taken away the body and that was the rumor that was spread by the unbelieving Pharisees and leaders of the Jews to explain the disappearance of the body of Jesus. So, here are these disciples, wondering what is going on, and so they explain to Jesus. How does he respond? He responds in a way that the apostle Paul responds to, I believe, the church at Galatia. oh uh, foolish ones! Now, if you take a look in the Bible, the term fool, uh, particularly in certain books, like the one Solomon was inspired to write, the book of Proverbs, that foolish ones means that you are not a believer. This is really important to understand. Foolish doesn't mean that you are a sinner unable to do enough good works to get yourself to heaven. This is the law and gospel point of this passage. They're foolish because they did not believe a promise. See, once again, we had the difference of Christianity from every other religion in the world. In every other religion in the world, if there is some kind of understanding of how you are saved. It's something you as a human being has to do. You either have to have the right thoughts or the right works or the right experiences in order to know that you're saved. But in Christianity, you need only to have faith in the promises of God. So how is Jesus going to help them to see why they are foolish? He begins, it says, You are slow of heart to what? Believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary? And that means this had to come about, that the Christ Christ. Should suffer these things and enter into his glory. Now, Jesus, of course, was a student of the Old Testament. And as he grew up and as he learned more of the Old Testament, he learned a lot about how he was going to die. Now, as God, he would know these things, but as a human being, He had to learn, and so what does Jesus do? Does he use human reason? Does he use human logic to explain to the foolish ones why what happened happened? No, he talks about the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, and the word Christ in the Greek is the Hebrew word for Messiah, that he should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now, that's really part of the epistle lesson from First Peter chapter 1, where Peter is writing knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And then verse 20 is very important in 1 Peter 1. He, that's Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So this answers a question I was asked recently in an adult instruction class. Did Jesus, as the second person of the Trinity, know that he was going to be crucified before the world was even created? And the answer is yes. He did know that before the foundation of the world. And then Peter goes on, but it was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Now, remember, we just, before the season of Lent, went through the season of epiphany. And epiphany means being manifested, being revealed. And Jesus revealed himself as the Christ, the Son of God. In fact, on the night of his resurrection, remember Thomas, my Lord and my God. So he was revealed to them the week after the resurrection when Thomas said that, because he didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. But Jesus is made manifest in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, believers who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that, and this is really important, verse 21 of 1 Peter 1, so that your faith and hope are in God. You see, this is the very opposite of every other religion in the world. Your faith and hope in every other religion are in you. You are instructed to either have right understanding, right knowledge, right good works, proper experiences, in order that you can think that you are saved. But no, not in Christianity. It is God who saved you. No other religion teaches that. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't use human reason. He doesn't give evidence outside of the Bible. He says, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. See, this is a unique item about Christianity. Salvation comes through a person, a person who is a human being, who also is God. And when he was a human being, he did not make use of his divine qualities. Uh, for example, he himself is surprised when he gets to Nazareth and they don't really consider him to be the Messiah. He is surprised at other things. He, he doesn't know when the last day is as a human being. Now, after his resurrection, and particularly when he is risen from the dead, and he arises into heaven again, he then takes all of those divine qualities and they are applied to his humanity. So as a human being, he knows all things. As a human being, he is all powerful. As a human being, he is present everywhere. That's why we are able to receive the Lord's Supper and truly receive the body crucified for him, the blood shed for us. And that is really important. So what does Jesus do? He begins with Moses. What, what does Moses have to say about Jesus? Well, remember when Adam and Eve sinned, God spoke to the serpent. Satan, and said, through the seed of Eve will come a Savior. And though you will wound him, that meant the crucifixion, he will crush your head, which means he destroys the power of Satan. One can read throughout the Old Testament and find countless items about Jesus. In fact, we've even written a kind of a paper on this about how the Old Testament points to Jesus. It took me a year and a half in a Bible study in a congregation recently to do that. And if you would like to have a copy of that, uh, just email me at at lawandgospel101.com and we will tell you how you can obtain that booklet. It's about promises in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's using many Old Testament promises, talking to them about the reason why he had to be crucified, and the explanation why he rose from the dead, so as he's talking to them, which I would consider to be the greatest Bible study ever told, they get near the village to which they were acting uh, going to, and Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, "Stay with us now remember." They still haven't recognized him. For it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So Jesus goes to stay with them. And when they are at dinner, he is at table with them. He takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. Now, some theologians would say that this is the Last Supper, like Jesus giving them his body and blood. But there's no mention of him giving them wine. But the way he broke the bread, the way he blessed it, reminded them, of course, what had happened at the last Passover. And so when he did that and blessed and broke the bread... Their eyes were opened. See, up to this point, God had made it so that they could not recognize him. But when he opened their eyes, they recognized him. And then the very next item, and he vanished from their sight. What did they say to each other? that's verse 32 did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures see that's the purpose of every pastor every sunday school teacher everyone that's what easter is all about you are saved not by knowledge, works, or experience. You're saved by Jesus Christ. More on this tomorrow when we look at the hymn. Until Listen to then. Law and Gospel each God Weekday morning you. at 930 on KFUO. For a tax deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel PO Box 28910. St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 187-267-1962.